This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ah, the sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favorite breakfasts. Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McGriddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just three thirty-three, Or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. www.brfcs.com By the fans For the fans Since 1996 Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 56 I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor Shortly after finishing recording the last podcast News started to filter through of the impending visit of our illustrious owners, the Rao family. So yesterday, at the Charlton match, they turned up in a convoy of five cars, stopping right outside the players' entrance, where they were greeted by security, police, the television cameras, and a chorus of boos and chants of Venkis out. So joining me in the virtual studio today to discuss the Charlton match, the Venkis circus, and other club issues, are Chief Reporter Cammy, Assistant Editor Eddie, and Stevie from BRFCS Admin. Uh, first of all, good morning, gentlemen. Um, Kamit, you okay? I'm all right. When? How are you? Nebad, Nebad. You got to the match yesterday? Yeah, yeah. We, I was there. Good. Cold it was. Yeah, yeah. You didn't take any snow with you? No, we, we, we we're quite lucky, I think. We've missed most of the, the snow here in the UK. Uh, some, some places have had it really bad, but uh, Blackburn, for once, uh, escaped. Good. At least, uh, at least the match was on. Good. And uh, yeah, Eddie, uh, you okay? You're over in Paris at the moment. No, I'm back in the UK now. But yeah, I'm fine, thanks. I'm Good. in the UK for about two weeks now. Right. Good. Uh, you didn't get along to the match? No, not not yesterday, thankfully, on the basis of the performance. I'm glad I didn't make the trip. Yeah. Sounded pretty awful, didn't it? Yeah. And uh, Steve, how are you this morning? I'm good, thanks, Ben. Uh, apart from the football, you know, the, can't be out. Yeah, nothing much, yeah. And uh, you're going to tell us a little bit about the fans forum meeting later on, yeah? I'll mention that later on, yes. Yeah, good, good. Well, we'll, uh, we'll get going, shall we, with the football. Uh, Gary Boyer and Terry McPhillips uh, had uh, seen us through a period of uh, uh, four matches unbeaten, uh, but they moved back to the reserves to concentrate 
on player development. Uh, Michael Appleton had his first game in charge uh, against Charlton Athletic yesterday. Uh, we went down 2-1, having uh, come back from one down just after half-time, uh, but uh, we, we didn't hang on. Uh, it didn't sound a particularly good first half and uh, sounded like that uh, we didn't deserve to get anything out of the game. Uh, Kami, do you want to take us through uh, the game as you saw it? Yeah, it was, um, I have to say, one of the worst performances I've seen at Ewood um, for, for a long time, um, which surprised me. We started off well first 10-15 minutes. Um, Ruben Rachina was involved in the game quite heavily. Um, they were giving him lots of time and space and he was running at the defence. But as per usual, uh, he wasn't passing the ball when he you know, maybe taken on two or three men. He should have released the ball on a couple of occasions and could have played Rhodes in or Richards in. But he decided to take the extra man on and and basically lost the ball. Um, after about 15 minutes, Charlton uh, shut that avenue down really and they started to take control of the game and... After that point, they, they Charlton defended really well as a unit. Um, the defence and midfield worked together to completely shut us down, and we were just passing the ball for the for the sake of actually passing it, but without really any pattern or or tactics. Well, I couldn't understand what the tactics were or what the pattern of play was. Uh, gradually, you know, the crowd got more and more frustrated. Uh, the players, you know, didn't seem very motivated in the first half. And, and Charlton took control um, and um, uh, some poor play by Kazim Richards. He, he, I think it was the Charlton right back. He let him run past him and he burst into box, put a ball in. That was dealt well by the, the centre-offs, but the ball fell outside the area and Charlton player smashed it in from about 25 yards. Really good goal, actually. Um and then after that, really, we didn't we didn't offer much in the first half, so it was very poor. Uh, second half, uh, Appleton made a change. He went, he pushed Ricina onto the left hand side and put Kazim Richards uh, in behind Rhodes. Uh, that paid dividends almost straight away. Richards got the ball on the right hand side, put a good cross in, and Rhodes. It was really half a chance, a diving header, one uh, one. Uh, and then for about five minutes, it looked like we'd we'd go on and and dominate the game and and maybe get a winner. Uh, we started pushing forward. There was a bit more space for the players, and you know it, it looked like we, we would get on top. But really, after about five minutes, um, after equalising, we again started to lose control of the game and um, some poor defending allowed Charlton to go two one up, and really. After that, we didn't offer much. Um, last two or three minutes, uh, Dan was pushed up front and we put some balls into the box, that, which caused some mild panic. I think Olsen had a had a chance just inside the area, which he blasted over. But other than that, um, uh, we we did you know we didn't deserve a point. Charlton were the far better side and and fully deserved to win. Um, and it was it was a really bad day on and off the pitch. Uh, that atmosphere. I would was back to that toxic atmosphere that we had uh, under Steve Keane, um, and and that that you know, I don't know if that affected the players or not. It should have, you know, who knows? But um, really poor day all round. Yeah, yeah. Now we'll come on to uh, the off the pitch matters uh, in a minute. But uh, first of all, Steve, St- uh, your comments on the match. Do, do you largely agree? 
can't really say much different than what Cammy said. I think in terms of when we look at the football nowadays, is this game reminded me of the Millwall match, where basically technically we had the better players. The problem is having better players is that other teams work harder and keep working harder. We've got a team that don't seem to want to put the, the shift in to actually dominate the match. Uh, with lots of people with lots of little tricks like Ruben Ruchina who he was flying through on goal a couple of times but you know his second touch is almost a tackle sometimes it's, it, it, he's kicking it forward 10 yards in front of him making it very easy for the keeper to get at so lots of tricks but no end product um, it's almost like if you look at the, the season in, in general you know we've had two managers and two caretaker managers the team have played for the caretaker managers and not for any of the managers actually three managers I'm losing count now aren't I not really care, keen. <laughs> yeah, two caretakers and uh, three, three, three managers. Three managers. I nearly said three proper managers, but three managers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dear, oh dear. What, what what baffled me, Steve, was under Boyer, the players looked really motivated. Um, you know, running around, putting tackles in, cajoling each other. You know, real motivation. They look like a unit. And then yesterday, they look, they look. Like, did it look bothered? I mean, maybe I'm imagining things, but to me, it, it definitely looked like they were demotivated and, and, and just... I think that's probably the malaise that's spread throughout the club, isn't it? I mean, let's face it, uh, the, the players probably have to see more of the, the Venky Circus than everybody else. You know, they've had to sit with Chevy Singh and Steve Keane for the last God knows how many months. Uh, at some point, I think the players just need some continuity, and I, I, I do believe that we get it to the point where we should do what Griff Sooners did when he took over. Is we're almost writing this season off now. Promotion's long gone. I mean, you dream of that one. We might get on a good run, but it's unlikely, isn't it? We're too far behind. So it's now for chance for Michael Appleton to look at these players, look these players in the eye, say, do you want to play for the club? Are you going to put some effort in? Uh, and transfer a list those who don't. And basically, I would say, other than, say, Jordan Rhodes, Jake Keane, Adam Henley, uh, possibly Jason Law, the rest of them, have they got a future at the club? Doesn't you know, yeah. Nobody's untouchable. Martin Olsen yesterday looks like he's playing for a move. Uh, he doesn't seem to get forward, and that ball across, that was, was a fantastic cross the Charlton player to volley in, but you know, you don't kick it across your own defensive line. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think he needs to, Appleton needs to just ship out the ones who are buying into whatever he wants to do and, and bring his own players in and, you know, start the rebuilding process for next season and it should take a leaf out of um is it Mowbray who's the manager of of Leicester um oh no is that Mowbray um oh, what's he called uh, Pearson at, at Leicester when he took over did see what he did they had a load of players that Sven had signed who weren't really interested in in they were just here for one last payday kind of thing so what he did was he started to rebuild the club he wrote off last season and said, right, let's look at who I want to keep, get rid of the ones that are interested, and then be ready for a real push this year. And you know, and that's what they've done. They hit the ground running this year. They, he had his squad together, and 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 I think they've now moved into the top two. And maybe that's what Appleton needs to do: take a longer term view if he's allowed to do that by Venkies, and say, right, well, actually, this season's a write-off. We'll just see who's 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 available? Get get rid of the ones that are are interested and start the rebuilding process. Pretty much what I think Doogie Friedman is doing at Bolton. He's you know you know they 
sort of planning for next season as well. They, they'd like to have a push for the playoffs, but they, they're starting to transfer list players that aren't in his long-term plans and they're starting to use this transfer window and the next one to, to bring in players so that they're ready for the start of next season. Maybe that's what we need to do. The problem with that is you need you need owners who are willing to commit to a long-term plan. And I don't I don't know if we have that. You'd re- realistically, the ownership would then have to to say that the over the next two transfer windows or three transfer windows that they were going to spend at least some money, and that they knew they would have to do it, knowing that they wouldn't be getting the you know the, the big Premier League money back for at least eighteen months. I think clearly that clearly I think it's a case of now that. Most of the fans will be happy if the owner's committed to a short-term plan of selling up and then bringing somebody else in who can actually come up with this long-term plan. Uh, the owners are very much short-term sort of people, apart from the ridiculous backing of Steve Keane for quite some time. Uh, you know, what's long-term for Michael Appleton? Twelve games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the, the problem. You see, we no one knows what these guys are going to do from one month to the next. I don't think they even they know. So. So, you know, Appleton might be under, like, some, if he doesn't, if he uses this season just to plan for next season, they're liable just to get rid of him this summer, and then you're back to square one again. So, yeah, I mean, the crux of the problem is the owners. I know I know we'll be talking about them later on, but um, if they had some brains, and, <laughs> and if, they, if people like Shaw and Agnew are able to influence them, then what they should be telling them is, let's look at this, as a one-and-a-half season plan, at least, to say, right, he's got the job now for a season and a half, use this season to plan for next and get rid of the deadwood and start building your own squad and, and, and take it from there. But like you both think, whether they'd be willing to do that or not is, is you know, is debatable. I thought that his, at least his, his post-match comments were, were actually slightly encouraging. Um, at least his, he kind of gave an honest assessment of the match and seemed very critical of the players, which was somewhat refreshing from, I mean, Bowyer was, was quite honest, but the rest obviously haven't been that great. And at least it maybe was an indication that he might change things and, and won't stick with, with sort of, I mean, bigger name players. I mean, not that we have huge names, but relatively speaking, bigger name players who are underperforming and not particularly committed to the cause. Yeah, that was my one sort of ray of hope, really, after the game. His post-match comments were critical, and he seemed to be saying, either you buy into what I'm saying or or, or, or you go. And, and that was refreshing to see from somebody who's only been in charge for, for you know less than a week, really. Uh, so that was good. And the other thing was, I was watching him quite closely, because from where I say, um, I can see the manager, and he doesn't rant and rave. He, he, he was stood... Right at the edge of his technical area, he was there for pretty much most of the game. And he, he seemed to be studying the players. He, w- he was offering the odd instruction to someone who was walking past, but there was no shouting or anything. It was more that he was looking at them, studying them. And, and you know, maybe, maybe that's his management style, but there was no ranting, raving, no shouted instructions. He was literally just stood there observing yeah, although people that's gone both ways because then people have been critical of him from what I've been reading uh, for sort of being a statue on the touchline and being like Steve Keane, you know, so it's, I, which I think is, is an unfair criticism, but especially after one game. But 
Yeah. I think there are pe- there are people looking to criticise the manager. I think because of the political turmoil that the club's been going through, people wanted more experienced managers, wanted different managers, and people will look for any excuse to criticise him. If he was jumping up and down rounds and raving, they'd be criticising him for that. The yeah. the issue we've got is that we actually need a manager who is allowed to manage. Even Steve Keane, in his defence, wasn't allowed to manage. It was interfered with by various uh, third-party sources. You know, uh, the players that have been brought in haven't been picked by any of the managers we've had. How can a manager put his influence on the team when it's not even his team? And dare I say it, the players know this at, the, at certain points. So I think Appleton does have to make his mark and possibly some players are going to end up falling foul of it and end up on the transfer list and they'll send a message out to the rest of the players that nobody's untouchable. Yeah, on the subject of uh, Michael Appleton and his appointment, uh, we had uh, a rather unusual instance of having a press conference, what, six days after his appointment, uh, with Appleton flanked by no one. He appeared at his own press conference uh, represented by himself and uh, neither Derek Shaw nor Shebby nor Paul Agnew were with him and uh, it transpires that uh, he's also brought in a PR company, the sports PR company, uh, with him to the club. Uh, it's all a little bit confusing. Uh, Kami, could you just take us through that? Yeah, um, there was a, originally a press conference scheduled for Tuesday Um and and you know that people were informed about that, and then uh, it appears that his PR company, who has been bought in, suggested to Appleton that maybe that press conference should be cancelled because he really hadn't had a chance to meet the players because they had a weekend off and and they were due back in training, and they felt that it would be better if he talked to the players first and then had a, a press conference, which you know, I entirely agree with. And, and that was a good move. So it, while it was unusual that he had his press conference on Thursday, which he combined with his pre-match press conference, so to speak, but I think the reasons for doing that were entirely correct. It, it, you know, the focus should be the players, the training, etc., and then dealing with the media. And you know, if we have to take a, a, a back seat, then that's all well and good. So, so the reason why it was sort of cancelled from Tuesday to, to Thursday it was purely because uh, he hadn't met the players and, and they felt that that was more important than um, going and talking to the media which you know most of us would would agree with that that is the players should be the priority and, and media can take a back seat so, so while it was slightly unusual for a press conference to take place six, seven days after uh, a manager appointed uh, I think most of us understood the reasons why and can you just clarify with regard to uh, the PR company coming in? Uh, the sports PR company, does it represent uh, Blackburn Rovers or it, does it represent uh, Michael Appleton? Uh, at the moment, it appears that he, he's brought them in to, to, to help him. So initially, I think they're working with him uh, directly and, and he asked the owners for this and, and they agreed to it. It's mainly because he had them up at Portsmouth and with all the you know the situation he had going at Portsmouth, um, he, he you know he got to know this PR company. They helped him. They advised him. Um, they, they sort of you know that was his first managerial job. They told him how to deal with the media. So he obviously built a relationship with them. He trusts them, and then 
I think seeing what was going on at Rovers before he came in, we were with Shebby going on radio and all the, the bad PR stories. I think he thought that he needed some professional help <laughs> in terms of dealing with the media and, and the circus that uh, surrounds Rovers. So a part of his agreement to become manager, I assume, includes uh, the use of this PR company. Now that they're at the club, you know, maybe they'll start influencing um, other bits of the, the, the PR that the club do. But at the moment, I think they're, they're separate entities, uh, so to speak. So they're not officially representing the club, but they are helping Michael Appleton. Now, whether that means over time they start doing other stuff for the club, you know, is, I'm not sure about. But um, that picture will probably start to become clearer within the next week or two. Yeah, uh, talking about people who need professional help, uh, Derek Shaw and Paul Agnew were on Radio Lanx this week. Yeah, um, uh, Paul Agnew was at the press conference. He was sat. Uh, you know, he introduced uh, um, uh, Appleton as the new manager. You know, said that he was a young manager and somebody who who would who they believed in, etc. And then he left. Appleton to it in terms of answering all the questions, etc. Uh, then, yeah, he was on Radio Lancashire on Friday. Um, he was talking about how to deal with the press and how many press inquiry needs they get. And uh, while he understood the need to communicate with fans, that he couldn't be doing that 24-7. Uh, so, so that was his bit on, on Friday. And then on uh, pre-match yesterday, Derek Shaw was on. And again, he was talking about the process that they went through and the communication with the owners, etc. So, so yeah, uh, we've not heard much from them over the last four or five months, and now suddenly they're now the ones communicating with the press and seem to be the people that are at least running the administration side of the club at, at you know at, at Ewood. And Chevy, for the time being, is has taken a back seat. Now what? The future holds for Chevy, I don't know, uh, because he's not actually employed by Rovers, he's employed directly by Venkis. So he may be reassigned to India or, or something. You know, It's not quite clear what's going to happen with Chevy, but he's definitely taking uh, a back seat in terms of what he does publicly. Um, and you know, and at the club, it looks like Shaw and Agnew are, are running things now. Um, so... I don't think it's the last we've seen of Shebby. The owners still like him, um, and that he's still one of the 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 people. So I don't think he's going to get sacked, but maybe he might go back to India for the time being, and you know we'll we'll see what what the future holds for Shebby. But I suspect it's not the last that we've seen of Shebby. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Steve, did you manage to hear the Radio Lanks interviews at all? I listened to some of the interviews, uh, turned them off halfway through, truth be told. It's not anything that I've not heard before, really. Uh, I don't mean that in a derogatory way in any way, but I think we're going to cover the fans forum later on, so quite a lot of what was said by Derek Shaw was said in the fans forum. So I didn't particularly listen to all of the interviews. Uh, they're trying to obviously get a positive spin on it without using that word positive too many times. And you know, Quite rightly, they're, they're saying that there's a need to start winning games. That ultimately is what football clubs about, uh, not the punitive asylum that we're seeing. Yeah, not really a lot more to say on that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, earlier in the week, uh, Venkatesh uh, was on Sky Sports uh, with an interview, uh, bearing in mind that uh, uh, his sister, uh, Mrs. Desai, uh, has openly said that uh, she was chosen as the uh, successor to her father uh, because she was the one with the common sense. Uh, Venkatesh on Sky Sports uh, this week. Uh, how much sense was he talking to you, uh, Steve? I tweeted at the time when I was watching it. I was doing a kind of a live update, but not not intentionally. But I tweeted at the time. He was uh, mumbling incoherently. I think that was pretty much uh, my summary of it. He, yeah, not 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 much more than I can say on that. Really, again, he just caught with that the standard. Oh, we're backing Michael Appleton, and he come up with a standard. Oh, we're going to back the club financially, but they're all right coming up with these statements. And I think Paul mentioned it on previous podcasts. They need to actually start backing those statements up with a bit of facts because they're all about rhetoric of Venkis at the moment and they haven't done anything with any actions. Yeah. Now, they uh, arrived at the match yesterday in a convoy. Uh, there's some uh, video of the arrival of the, uh, the convoy uh, up on the site, up on the uh, message board forum. Um, they, they come in, uh, stop outside the players' entrance and uh, uh, there's this, you know, whole media circus out, outside the players' entrance. Uh, there's stewards, security, police there. And uh, not, not a massive crowd, because to be honest, there wasn't, uh, uh, there wasn't that much room to actually put, you know, have fans there. But uh, they were pretty vociferous. A uh, big chorus of boos and uh, chanting of Venkis out and stuff. Um, did uh, either of you see that live, uh, Steve or Cammy? No, we well. I was I was in the ground by then, so they arrived probably about ten minutes before kickoff, or maybe fifteen. I was already in the ground. Um, um, but I mean, whoever's advising them when needs shooting because they should have been in the ground two or three hours before kickoff, and they would have avoided that, you know, that booing or whatever snowballs being thrown, etc. They, they they should have been in the ground two or three hours before kickoff. Rolling up in a Rolls Royce uh, with the number plate, plate Raja, which in, for, for Asian listeners will know what I'm talking about. Raja means king stroke prince. So <laughs> the main Rolls Royce had a number plate called R4AJA, which is Raja. Uh, again, it, it's just, you, you're going to, you know, people are really keened off with what's going on at the club. Rolling up in Rolls Royce. Ten minutes before kickoff, like you're some kind of royalty, it's, it's just going to put people back. So what they should have done was been in the ground for maybe one o'clock, half twelve. You know, Ewood Parks, the the Jack Walker Lounge, etc. They're all very comfortable places for them to be in anyway. So so they wouldn't have been slumming it. They should have been in 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 the ground one o'clock, half twelve. They would have avoided what what happened pre-match and you know, the booing and the snowballs being thrown. And then if they wanted to leave early, that well, that was fair enough. But, uh, you know, rolling up 10 minutes before kickoff when there's loads of fans making their way into the ground is always going to be a cause of flashpoint uh, due to what's happened over the last two years. I don't know what, what you think about that, Steve or Eddie. It certainly doesn't seem the, the, the best planned. You know, I mean, you're right. If they'd shown up earlier, they could have avoided all of that. But maybe they enjoy the attention in some respects. So even if they're getting the 
you know, all the negative feedback from the supporters. Maybe they like the fact that, you know, it allows all the media to be there to film them arriving. I mean, they've not got, you know, much else in terms of publicity to work with. So maybe that's part of the part of the plan. And they're obviously oblivious to the, the real feelings of the majority of supporters. So even if they get the, the kind of reception that they got when they got out of the, the cars, I mean, yeah, obviously they've, they might suffer from the same Steve Keane syndrome where they, they believe that's a, that's a, mon- a minority of supporters and the vast majority are reasonably happy with what's going on. However, through the snowball, it was a great, a great throw. I disagree. <laughs> it wasn't a good shot at all, really. It was one more of a loop shot that landed on his head. I think if they well, at least they got Dennis, him on the head. But, yeah, I suppose. But, <laughs> not, not to condone then, people throwing things at them, but. I think it was the only shot on target we saw yesterday, wasn't it? Because Jordan Rhodes going to be a header. Laughing aside and joking aside, the circus they put up outside, I walked past the Jet Walker stand at about, about two, two o'clock or something like that. Um, they, they put, they'd obviously the Charlton team had arrived, they put all the barriers out in place, and there were more security guards in that little area than there were probably in the ground. There were TV cameras waiting, and I think Andy Cryer was waiting to see if he could get uh, some sort of comment from them. Uh, yeah, it was a circus, and I'm, I'm not necessarily that unsure that um, what Eddie says in that they were waiting for the media to turn up to film their much vaunted arrival so they can send the pictures back to India and edit it so it looks like they got such a warm welcome. Vegas yeah. and common sense, though, as we know, don't mix. Steve, you know what? I was reading the fans forum minutes. Is it yep. true someone said that there's a TV channel in India showing Rovers three hours a week or something? Every Rovers match has been shown fully in India, apparently. Right. They've done a deal with a TV channel and I think they sponsor their own coverage. Uh, it has to be the entire match. It can't be edited highlights for some strange reason. I think it's Football League rules. So right. the entire match has been shown. But that's getting big viewing figures. <laughs> well, I imagine that the Venkis family watch it, so that might be about ten. Uh, <laughs> uh, you don't know, do you? I mean, it, apparently it's Ten Sport, which is one of the better in, uh, better Indian Ooh. sports channels. Ten so, Sports, if yeah, yeah. Sorry, Ten Sports goes not just in India, but Sri Lanka, Pakistan, um, even the US have the the. The Asian people live in the US. They get the ten sport feed as well. So, so that would have seventy, eighty million people potentially watching it. It's a, a free to air kind of cable channel as well. So, what worries me there, though, is this seventy, eighty million people watch it. Rovers are thinking, by heck, they're rubbish. Is <laughs> <laughs> that is that what they've paid for? They should stick to chickens. Exactly. Dear me. Uh, on the uh, fans forum uh, matter, could you just tell us briefly what uh, the Monday meeting of the fans forum uh, was about? Yeah, uh, typically I've just rebooted my laptop, which has got the minutes on I was going to go through. But uh, we met with uh, Derek Shaw this time around and, and Greg from the club and went through a number of issues from things as tedious as electronic cigarettes, but to people who smoke, it's not quite as tedious, I suppose. Uh, we covered the Michael Appleton appointment. Uh, we asked a, a number of questions on that one, which, were, again, we put in the minutes that I think, you know, 
there were people worried that, again, there were some sort of agent involvement or whatever. We asked the question about where the appointment came from. Uh, so for the minutes, there were a number of CVs sent in that were from the last uh, managerial appointment process. Uh, and that's where it went from there. We we covered the Burnley match. That's coming up, the Burnley home match. Uh, because b- previously to that, there were meetings at Burnley for the matches for fans to just basically vent the spleen about travel, etc. Burnley are going to have to travel in the same sort of method as we are. They probably get less good buses as they always seem to get, but you know they, they will be travelling to Ewood. They're not going to get the full Darwin end. The police will specify those numbers. Uh, and I believe the club are going to look to maximise the income they get from Burnley. Some people said, let's give them 2,000 tickets in the same amount they gave us. But are the club going to turn down an extra 2,000 people paying £35, which is going to be the, the full amount possible, I think, that we can charge them for the tickets? You know, it's 70 grand. You're not going to turn that down. It'd be commercial suicide, unfortunately. Could actually give them the entire dollar end, couldn't you? Well, I think they're going to get the entire Darwin end, that's a fact, but it's 7,000 capacity, but how many rows of the police will cordon off at the front of the, the stand and the side of the stands as they did at the turf? And now, again, on the top tier itself, they'll do pretty much the same sort of thing there. Uh, it's also based on the numbers you can get into the actual ground as well and bust them in in a reasonable amount of time. If you give them 7,000 tickets, then that road from the Golden Cup down to Ewood, you know, that's probably going to be shut for a good hour and a half or something like that before the match. So there's only a certain amount. You know, the police will have a timescale to get fans in and they will base what they allow us to give to Burnley on how they can ship fans in. So there's a lot to be decided. And ultimately, whilst we came up with give them 2,000, give them 3,000, stop them coming in the home ends, it's the police who make the decisions. I've... I've, I've fully believe that Rovers given a choice would give them the full seven thousand. The thing is just just our experience, was it how many did we have? Two and a half thousand fans at at, at Burnley? It was three thousand three hundred, I think, or just over three thousand. Look at we the did... operation they had to get to get all those buses. And and some people weren't getting home till about five o'clock. So, you know, if if they were allowed to give them seven thousand, for example, they're gonna have to bus all that that lot in and absolutely, and assume the kickoff will be 12 o'clock again or half 12, one o'clock. So that'll be, <laughs> they'll be setting off at like six o'clock in the morning if they're going to be getting 7,000 fans busting. And then, you know, the logistically, that'd be a nightmare parking the buses, getting them into the it, ground. I think at least, at least with Rovers, you could get the Burnley fans into that area at the back where you've got yeah. the brick. So rather than having to stop outside to get people in, you could use the, the area from top of the croft down to the back of the door and end and cordon that off. I don't think Birdie would be too happy. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so you could dump the Burnley fans in there and park all the buses up and, and, and run it from there. So you probably don't need the, the big metal walls or whatever they put in last, last time to stop people getting in each other. Uh, but I think it's a little bit easier for Blackburn because... It's it's a short road up to the motorway. It's a short run. At Burnley, it's actually quite a quite a run into town. So you, we went in through Townley when we went in. 
you know, didn't come off at the old Happy Eater and drop down that way, which would be the logical way. But no, we came through townly and went round, and it was it, there were quite a lot of roads and to sh- to shut off at that point. Yeah, I suppose yeah they could bring them straight off the motorway and then straight to Bossom in the air. But but the more interesting thing will be how many Rovers fans will turn up for that. I'm not. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> right, geez, that's one down. <laughs> <laughs> dear, oh dear. Yeah, I'm not around for the Burnley match, unfortunately. Gutted to miss uh-huh. it. Cause it's always nice to wear. To, to greet our friendly neighbours from down the road with six fingers, you know, and, and mm. give them a wave with our five. But, yeah, I won't be around for that one, unfortunately. We need to see how many tickets we do sell, though, because there are a lot of people who vowed never to go again. But whether they can stay away from the Burnley game, I'm I'm not so sure. They're going to be paying the full amount in the same way as uh, as, Rovers, as Burnley fans are as well. It's... I believe there's some sort of rule in the football league that you are allowed to charge away fans different amounts to home fans for a certain amount of designated matches in the year. I believe that's going to happen to Leeds fans as well because, let's face it, we got screwed with high prices at Leeds as well. So let's yeah, give it yeah. back to their fans. Uh, I believe that something may well happen at, at Rovers where it is cheaper for Rovers fans who've attended in the past. But you'll not be able to go to the... Burnley match if you haven't already got on the database ah uh, yeah yeah true yeah. one question put up the fans for it was and I can't remember where it came from was is it true that a number of Burnley fans have bought half season tickets to guarantee themselves a ticket <laughs> <laughs> well they're cheap enough aren't they so, yeah. <laughs> do, do so, they actually think that they've actually got to go to every match that wouldn't surprise me knowing that lot. But uh, in a serious manner, um, joking aside on that one, is the, the comment was that they've got tickets in the Blackburn end and they're looking to cause some trouble. Uh, mm. They are meatheads, some of these Burnley fans, to be fair. Not that we haven't got a few of our own, but Burnley fans are special. Very special. Just moving on. Uh, first of all, kits. Uh, there's a little bit of discussion about uh, who will be providing the kits for for next season, but we're, we're still waiting for confirmation on that. Uh, shirt sponsors, meanwhile, ProBiz uh, have now been confirmed uh, until the end of the season, and they'll be on the front of the shirt. Cammy, uh, do you have any uh, news on ProBiz? Yeah, the, the ProBiz, uh, the press statement that was released um, to confirm the, the sponsorship was quite extensive, really. I don't know, have any of you guys re- read this, the, the statement? I had a brief look at it uh, just before, yes, but I, I didn't read it uh, with any great care. Yeah, it's just you never get this kind of in-depth kind of press release for a for a sponsorship announcement. Um, so it gave a lot of details about ProBiz as a company. Um, so obviously, I went and then had a look at what they do, and it it, it definitely appears that they invest a lot of money in sports so they sponsored a lot of cricket teams um they're heavily involved with cricket sponsorship they've done some rugby league stuff and and now they're doing some stuff with rovers and and they've got some again sponsorship in qatar of all places um um, in terms of of sporting organizations that they help out there so i mean it just makes me wonder and and this is just not based on anything you know, 
concrete or any kind of rumour. It's just me speculating out loudly more than anything else uh, that maybe these guys are initially just sponsors, but looking at what they've been doing in sports and and the way they've been helping organisations and the way they've been investing in rugby clubs, etc., I'm just wondering whether their long-term plan is to actually buy the club off Venkis or or help them run the club. Um, So Venkis own it, but these guys run it for them because they're definitely heavily involved in sport and they started off small and they've been building up and they've been building up and they've been building up. Um, So it might just be just a straightforward sponsorship announcement, but the way they were talking about building long-term relationships and getting to know the owners, etc., it just makes me wonder uh, whether long-term these guys are either looking at buying the club off Venkis or somehow investing in it and helping them run the club because it seems to be something that they, they're quite heavily involved in, in in other sports. Yeah, yeah. Um, when they first uh, were announced as uh, sponsors uh, of the shirt, just for the you know for a couple of games, um, the uh, uh, the idea was that it was a short term deal with a view to a medium to long term deal. And uh, I remember looking into it a little bit. The owner uh, Faisal Nahabu is a Blackburn born lad. Uh, he's you know moved away uh, for, since uh, since growing up in Blackburn. But uh, he was involved with Castleford and then with Featherstone uh, in the Rugby League. And uh, it, uh, it appeared to me when, when I was reading that, that uh, he, he was looking to uh, pump in more than just uh, minor sponsorship and uh, have a say in, in the running of those clubs. Uh, didn't work out with Castleford apparently, but uh, uh, Featherstone, I think it was, uh, um, he was... Uh, hailed as a bit of a saviour there so wonder whether he's got his eyes on moving into the uh, into the football world with uh, Blackburn Rovers yeah I mean it would it would make sense for for him because of what they've been doing in sports and I, to be honest I hadn't done much research on them until I, I read that um, uh, press statement and it struck me as weird because I get loads of these press statements from all over the place uh, uh, you know, with sponsorship announcements, etc. And this is the first time I've seen something so in-depth and thought, well, this is a bit weird. And started looking at them as a company, uh, looked at the investments they've made and, and the, the kind of stuff that we've been doing. And, and it, you know, it was, it's just the research was adding up towards maybe these guys are actually thinking of investing further in the club and, or maybe even trying to buy the club off. Off, off Venkis. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe that's something to watch over the next year or so. Yeah, the um, the question of why the Venkis uh, came over as a family, uh, you know, all four directors, uh, the, the uh, uh, Mrs. Desai and her husband and uh, Balaji and Venkatesh were all over uh, for the Charlton match. Uh, question is, why, why did they uh, come over at this particular juncture? Um, do you think there's anything uh, going on in, in, in the background with regards to uh, selling the club maybe or uh, restructuring it? Um, we haven't heard from Shebby, of course, for a while. Um, Derek Shaw and Paul Agnew have been over to Pune to meet them and uh, um, there's been a little bit of uh, uh, uncertainty as to their positions. What? Uh, how, how do you see it? 
Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, to be honest, no one knows why they just come out over so suddenly. Um, it, it was definitely kept very cloak and dagger. Um, even people at the club on Sunday, Monday, really didn't know whether they were coming or not. So, so we don't know. You know, maybe they've decided to restructure the club, and they were here interviewing maybe somebody, you know, a new supremo to come in, you know, above show and. And Agni and Shepi, I don't know. Uh, you know, they, I don't. They weren't at the club for very long yesterday, so whether I, I don't think they had a meeting with with the three amigos uh, to to knock their heads together. So I don't know. You know, um, you know, maybe it's just pure coincidence that this ProBiz, uh, you know, sponsorship is announced at the time that they're here. Maybe there's there's more in it. Who knows? Um, you know, maybe they were just here on business in Zurich because you know they've got uh, their their plant there and I think they're selling that so maybe they were here you know just to to sort that sale out and thought well we're here we might as well go to Ewood um, who knows with these guys um, but it is interesting that they came to Ewood as a family uh, second time uh, that they've done that um, I, in fact the last time I don't think Mr uh, Mr Desai came, so it was just Mrs. D who came. Um, I don't think I think this is the first time he's visited uh, Ewood. So so again, uh, with any major decision that they make, all four of them have to sign it off. Um, so so maybe there is more to it than than just um, a social visit to to Ewood. Yeah, well, Mr. Desai won't forget uh, his visit to Ewood, having taken a snowball in the gob. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, just moving on to the transfer window, there's a question as to whether Bradley Orr will be recalled from his loan spell at Ipswich. And also, uh, we've been linked with one or two uh, defenders. Uh, do you have any more on uh, the ins or perhaps uh, Martin Olsen's uh, possible transfer to West Ham? Yeah, um, I think... Uh, before yesterday, Appleton was quite confident, from what I was hearing, of bringing two or three players in. Um, who those players are, are not rather not speculate because uh, don't want to be tipping off other clubs more than anything else. Uh, but I've been given a few names, and and if they become more firm, then I'll 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 put it on on our forums. But he was definitely looking at two or three players to 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 bring in. But after yesterday. <laughs> He might be looking at six or seven, I don't know. But he seemed very confident that the owners were going to back him in this transfer window and give him some funds to bring two or three players in. Um, yeah, so, you know, who he brings in, I've got a fair idea of the ones he was looking at. But like I said earlier, I don't want to put those names out there just yet. Uh, but I think outgoing-wise, um, Martin Olsen, obviously we had a second bid um, for him and although Sam has denied it on, on Friday at his press conference um, earlier the week both West Ham and o- Rovers were saying that there, there was a bid in I believe it's £4 million uh, whether it's straight up £4 million or um, sort of staggered payments I'm not so sure but it was £4 million and and I believe that's been rejected now whether West Ham come back in with a third bid I'm not so sure uh, Sam met uh, the Gold family last Monday and he convinced them that he, Olsen was the one he wanted and they, 
they put a improved bid in. I think if they get to five million, and after what happened yesterday, uh, Alston may well be sold now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's been great for the club, but it's pretty obvious looking at the way he's performed uh, over the last two or three weeks that he's heads elsewhere. And when you've got someone like that, then it's better maybe just to ship him out. And you know, if you can get five or six million for him, then maybe that's a fair price uh, considering we're in the championship and Olsen's not really um, setting the place alight. So, so if he goes, that might give him even more money, give Appleton even more money uh, to to bring further players in. Um, Robbo, um, obviously not involved again, and the club have not received any interest uh, from anyone thus far, no, no firm interest anyway. Uh, but again, I expect him to leave. It might be a transfer deadline day deal, but he's one uh, that that would, would call. And Ditto Jive, I think if we can get um, a defender in, um, and um, I think it's Craig Dawson at West Brom is one that we've looked at, but I believe he prefers Bolton over, over Rovers. So I don't think we'll get him. Bolton want him as well. And I believe he prefers that option over Rovers. Um, but if we can get a centre half in, then I expect GV will be off uh, back to France. Um, and there's a couple of clubs who want to take him on loan initially. Um, so if they can sort the wages problem out and and they decide to to pay the vast majority of his wages, then providing we've got another centre half in, uh, GV will be off. Um, so those are the the three main ones: Robbo, Olsen. And and GV uh, are the three that I expect to be gone uh, before the, the the transfer window uh, closes. And um, prior to yesterday, Appleton was looking to bring in two or three players, uh, but maybe after yesterday, that might have changed, and he, you know, might decide to sell a few more of them and and bring four or five players in. But I expect some business to be done in, in this transfer window and. Appleton was very, very confident um, that he he'd been given backing to bring in two or three players, and you know, and Venkatesh said as much in terms of they'd back Appleton in the transfer transfer window um, on his Sky Sports News interview. And I think after yesterday, that's what Appleton needs to do. He needs to get rid of the players who aren't buying into whatever he wants to do, and bring his own players in. You know they'll be far more committed to him, and and maybe that's what the team needs: uh, players that the manager himself has bought in, and 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 they start to build from there. Because it's patently evident, obvious to me yesterday, that the, the players that we've got at the club are thoroughly disenfranchised with with what's going on. Uh, they're not motivated, and and you know maybe changes are needed. Yeah. Now, uh, Leon Best, uh, is he close to a return now? Yeah, um, I, I think he's back in full training. He's kicking a ball around. Um, and quite rightly, the club, are rather rather than rushing back, they'd rather spend the extra two or three weeks and make sure he's 100% right before uh, getting back on, on the pitch. So, we, you know, everything I've been told is that he should be back uh, maybe late January or early February, he's bang on target uh, to 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 
to be back in the team within the next four or five weeks. Um, uh, they, they could rush him and and get him back a lot earlier, but quite rightly, they're not doing that. They want to take the time and make sure he's one hundred percent right before before letting back on. And um, you know, within the next month or so, hopefully he'll be back back in the picture. Um, and he's badly needed. I think Rhodes needs some support up there. And, and best could be that man where he can be the focal point and Rhodes can play off him and, and and we could take things forward from there. Yeah, good. So Eddie, what what do you think in terms of incomings and outgoings into, uh, from from this transfer window? Well, I mean, it's clear we definitely need some new players in, and then uh, obviously I'm not I'm not aware of exactly who the specific the specific targets are apart from the sort of speculation that's been going around about. One or two of the players Appleton's liked in the past, who he may be going for again. Um, in terms of players leaving, I mean, Olsen doesn't seem to want to be here, so it makes sense that we we get as much money for him as we can. Um, and then you've got the those situations with Robinson and, to an extent, with Jive. And it, I think if we have higher earning players who maybe aren't being aren't really being used and who may not really want to be here, then it's sensible that we we look to move them on. I mean there's no point there's no point holding on to them. Um it's a shame to see because obviously sort of a reasonably decent side that we had two years ago is is by you know by the end of this window or by the end of this this season may may be all but gone. I mean with the exception of one or two but it's it seems the best approach. I don't see a point in, in trying to desperately hang on to players who have no interest in, in really playing week in, week out. And what what do you think about do you think Appleton needs to put his mark on the squad and and bring in players that that are his choices rather than, than trying to work with with players like you said that are that seem outwardly disinterested? Where does that leave the likes of Murphy and Atuhu? I think it's always good for a manager to have one or two players who who he brings in. I think, you know, any time you see a new manager take charge of a club, I think, you know, typically you see that they get some success from bringing in someone who who is their choice, who who comes into the club wanting to work for them. I think that's always a good idea. Um I think the more experienced players like Murphy or two who should be should be used to managerial changes at clubs and and be willing to to put in the effort to to make a claim that they should be in the side. Whether or not they'll do that, I don't know, especially with a Tuhu because his performance has been so subpar this this season that it's hard to imagine that he would be able to turn that around and win over a new manager. Uh but you know, Murphy obviously I think his performance has improved at least in the last four or five matches. Uh, he's an experienced professional. He should be able to you know, handle the handle the managerial change, but you would hope that he would bring in. I mean, the, just for the simple fact that our, our midfield is 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 not good enough, and so that's obviously one area of the pitch where managers often like to bring in players to to sort of stamp their authority on the team and and change the style of play. It's it's probably the most important area for doing that, and you would hope that he'll do that simply because it just hasn't been good enough. If, you know, it's consistently let us down, and and we've not been able to control matches, so and and really have a, a consistent approach to to how we we play in matches because we can't keep possession and we don't create chances, and so you would hope that he will actually bring someone in in that area and try and 
maybe improve the improve the back four. But for me, the more important thing is the midfield. But you know, I hope he brings people in. The problem with it too, uh, if we if he was decided to get rid of him, he's on a longish contract on big wages, and I, and I don't think any club would pay the money that that Rovers are playing. So even if we did decide to get rid of him, it it'd be doubtful that he'd want to go because of the money that he's on. Yeah, no, I think I think I mean I'm, I'm I'm obviously I'm not privy to the sort of the exact amounts that either he or or Murphy are receiving, but certainly when we signed it to who it was a long contract to give to someone of his age, and you know supposedly both he and Murphy are on relatively high wages, so I would imagine that even if we wanted to move either of them on, we're we're probably stuck with them. I, I can't really see what would interest any clubs. In them anyway. I mean, on the basis of the last six months for a two whose career, I, I can't see a championship club or even a League One club wanting to sign him. You know, not even taking into consideration the the wages that he's on and what they would have to pay him. He just he hasn't been anywhere near good enough. Mm, so, yeah. So this week we have uh, Brighton at home on Tuesday, uh, seven forty-five kickoff. Uh, please bear in mind that uh, half-season tickets cannot be used for this game. Saturday next, we've got Derby away in the FA Cup fourth round, and that's followed by uh, a further two home matches in the league against Bristol City and Ipswich Town. Just to round up, uh, a reminder, uh, we have the deadline coming up this Friday, the 25th, for the applications for the volunteer trainee journalist. Uh, If you do want to apply for this position, uh, get your uh, applications in during this week please. Last podcast we had a quiz uh, to win a Punitic Asylum t-shirt. It was to name the last vegetables of hope and uh, the winner is Danny Kegg um, by virtue of being the only person who actually contributed uh, a a, a suggestion. Uh, He came up with uh, the last vegetable of hope must be a sprout in order to sprout the green shoots of recovery from the nightmare we have all experienced over the last two years. He went on and said, we, don't, we certainly don't want to hear any more leaks from rival factions in the boardroom or any more excuses from managers why we have been beat. There you go. The only thing is, uh, Danny Kiggs, based over in uh, Arnhem in the Netherlands, I, I can't believe that uh, he didn't have a dig at uh, Brussels, but there you go. Uh, he's uh, going to be winning a Bunatic Asylum t-shirt designed specially by Perth Blue Zero 2. Uh, I'll be getting in touch with uh, Danny Kegg uh, via PM uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see how we can get uh, the t-shirt to him. Now, we've uh, been having one or two problems uh, with the PodPress plugin for uh, WordPress. And uh, we've had to switch over to PowerPress for publishing the podcast during this week. So uh, if you had problems during the course of this last week with uh, getting access to the uh, podcast uh, number 55, uh, our apologies, Um, it's... uh, um, been a, a bit of a problem with uh, moving all all their stuff over to to new servers, and uh, this particular problem uh, is a separate issue. Um, Biddy seems to think that it's to do with uh, uh, the the PHP update uh, that was done recently, 
but the I think the PodPress uh, plugin actually goes back to 2007, so it was. I guess it was uh, only a matter of time before it broke, and uh, looks as though uh, uh, its its time has come. So we've moved o- moved over to a new uh, PowerPress uh, uh, publication of the podcasts. Finally, uh, Match Day Pictures. Uh, just a reminder: uh, Oz has set up a Match Day gallery. Uh, there's a thread there, and uh, if you have any match day pictures that you want to contribute uh, please uh, go over to the match day gallery uh, have a look on there how it's done and uh, uh, upload your, your pictures uh, for, for us to uh, um, include in the match day gallery well that's all we have time for today well thanks for coming on as always Cammy. yeah thank you and uh, you know big week ahead with uh Another game on Tuesday against Brighton and then the, the cup tie away at Derby on, on Saturday. So hopefully you know, we can get two results um, and maybe be a bit more positive about things um, come, come the next podcast. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if um, Appleton actually dips into a transfer market, um, particularly after the results yesterday and his comments uh, after the match. Well, we'll uh, look forward to speaking to you next week. Uh, thank you to Eddie. Yeah, pleasure as always. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us, Steve. Uh, thanks a lot, Wem. Uh, happy to be on. Uh, see you next time. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for listening in. Wherever you are, we do hope you take good care and uh, we look forward to having you with us uh, once again. Thank you. Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.